Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger basketball fans? We are back, finally, for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, sports columnist over at the Commercial Appeal. I'm joined, as always, by Jason Munns, our Tiger basketball beat writer. Uh, Memphis went 19 days between games, and so, therefore, uh, we went quite a, uh, even a little bit longer between podcasts. I wish we were coming bearing some uh, better news. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, Memphis begins its 2021 schedule with a 58-57 loss to Tulsa, dropping them to six and five on the year, uh, two and two in league play. And I guess the reason why this Tulsa law, this second Tulsa loss felt so it just it just felt so disheartening was it seemed to play out almost exactly like the first Tulsa loss. And it just didn't seem like it's not like the team looked demonstrably worse coming out of the 19 day break between games, but they certainly didn't look better. And I think we were all kind of thinking, well, if this season is going to turn around, hey, look, here's these 19 days where they can work on a bunch of stuff and maybe come out looking like an improved team. And unfortunately against Tulsa, that just wasn't the case. Um, So Jason, I guess, what are your what were your what have been your takeaways coming off of this setback to Tulsa? Um, do you feel a certain uh, sense of ine- inevitability about this season now? About where it's headed? Do you, did you feel? Do you have reasons for an encouragement? Did you feel discouraged? How would you describe what your uh, how you felt coming out of the Tulsa loss earlier this week uh, cool. when when Memphis finished off its unexpected break? Before I do that, I want to uh, sort of touch on something that you just brought up that I I hadn't um, necessarily like uh, dove into, and I and I have a feeling you didn't either. Um, you talked about just how the Tulsa game uh, a couple of days ago felt so similar to the one from uh, December twenty first. Looking at the numbers. Uh, in the first matchup, Memphis shot 26.3% from three. The other day, they shot 26.7%. Mm. Uh, from the free throw line, they they had uh, they were 10 for 21 in game one, nine for 15 in game two, so kind of close, uh, kind of somewhat similar. Um, uh, Rebounding-wise was similar-ish. They had 46 in the first game, then 35 the other day. 10 assists in the first matchup, nine in the second. Uh, turnovers, they had 20 against Tulsa at FedEx Forum and 21 the other day. Um, 
Yeah, it was just a lot of that's that's and and then points they they scored forty nine in the first matchup and just fifty seven in the second. So uh, it was very it was actually very similar, uh, two very similar games. But I, I don't know. I uh, I just think that more than anything, that game in Tulsa solidified the fact that this season is just going to be. Um, I, I think this team is just by now that this is what they are. They're, you know, looking at the, looking at the the schedule, they've had, they're six and five, five losses. Four of their five losses have come by fewer, seven points or fewer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. They're not getting blown out. They're not getting blown out. So that's a good thing on the one side, but then again, uh, they are not scoring very, very many points. They're not winning these close games. Um, so, I just, I just, I can't help but think that this is what this season is going to be. It's going to be uh, frustrating. It's going to be um, up and down. There's going to be games where they go out and they beat a team like Tulane, eighty to seventy-one. Um, but uh, you know, I just, I, I just, I they're, think they're capable. They're like, for instance, they play Wichita State on Thursday. They could go out, go out and beat Wichita State. I don't put that past them, but I do put what I ha- what I what I suspect is beyond their reach as a team is stringing together like four or five games in a row where you can beat a team like Wichita State. And I think and that's what I, I that's what I think the second Tulsa game really sort of uh, hammered home was that that they're just not this like last year's team had like a 10 or I think it was a 10 game winning streak or 11 game winning streak before they then turned into this team that just could just treaded water the rest of the season. I I don't think you're right. I think this team doesn't have a 10 game win streak in them. And, but that, but that, but they are the same team in that they're going to just kind of tread water the rest of the year. Well, they're ultimately anytime they take the floor in the AAC, you could make the argument they're as talented or more talented than anyone in the league every time they take the force. So that gives them a shot in every game. What I think the most frustrating thing about this team and really just like, you know, the past two years of this, you know, uh, under Penny Hardaway is that it hasn't been aesthetically pleasing, but if they just like, like if they just kind of weren't so careless with the ball and things like that, if they just hit a couple more shots they would win. They would win these. Ga- they're in position, like you mentioned, to win a lot of these games. But obviously, they they don't do any of that well. Um, they they you know they just don't. Those little things evade them, and that. But that's what makes it even more frustrating is that there is a way. There is an avenue you can see, even though this isn't particularly on offense, clicking the way anyone imagined it would when Penny Hardaway was hired there are avenues for them to be successful playing the style, playing the type of defense they play, but then they just go and throw the ball away and do things like that. Like they haven't. And for whatever reason, it has not been fixed. The, the, the problems this team ran into against Tulsa have been problems for months. And you could argue for a year now they've been problems and they don't get fixed. They haven't been fixed. And, so that I think that's what kind of adds to the, I don't know, sense of kind of I, I can understand if some fans are sitting here going, you know what, um, maybe I just check out a little bit because this just doesn't this this isn't going to end in a 
it's just very hard to envision an ending to this season that feels satisfying at this point. Um, right. I guess they they could go on a run. They could win a conference tournament, something like that. Yeah. But they haven't shown the capability of, you know, at this point to really feel decent about to like, like you got to win out. And even then, I don't know if that's enough to like be an at large, like the at large birth is kind of out the window now. Uh, like NC, realistic yeah. NCAA tournament talk is kind of out the window. Um, and so to me, if I'm looking at this like a fan, what you want to watch for, the, the, and if I'm trying to, if I'm Memphis, I'm trying to sell, like, this is why you should still be invested in the rest of the year. And there's, all, there's some other reasons. There's some good news in terms of an addition to the roster that we'll get into in a second. Um, but I would look at it like this because Penny Hardaway in Memphis with this new contract extension, like Penny's not going anywhere. Like he's going to be the coach for the foreseeable future. So it's not about like we can talk all we want about, you know, like what Penny should do, whatever. Like ultimately, though, he's going to have to figure it out. He's going to get a chance to figure it out. And for the program to be successful for the foreseeable future, it feels like it's going to be half. They're going to have to hope he figures it out. And what I think you should be looking for as they continue to play these games is you're looking for little moments where it feels like Penny is making adjustments for the better. Um, you know, if he's, I guess, you know, taking what's happening and making changes that are, you know, help the team. I, I, I don't know how else to describe your, it's probably not going to be a situation where things change uh, right away. We, we, we've been waiting for that and that's just not going to happen. Like it's just not going to happen, but maybe, over the as this team struggles, maybe these, this team struggles will help crystallize some things that Penny needs to figure out as a coach, um, and maybe some of these games will show evidence of that. That's how I would look at it. If I'm a fan, the only thing I want to see is Penny Hardaway addressing and correcting the uh, turnover problem. I mean, yeah, he, he, it's little things. It's like little yeah. things. Like you're not going to change the fact that it appears they don't have any good shooters on this team, really. Like, you're not going to just change that overnight. But they shouldn't be still committing turnovers. like And, like, not just turnovers, like dumb turnovers. Really careless had, turnovers. I believe they had three lane violations in the in the first half against Tulsa the other day. I mean, the, the way I look at it, they're averaging 15 and a half turnovers a game. The other day they had 21, mm-hmm. you know, you're looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of like 10, 11, 12, 13. That's a pretty good team as far as averaging turnovers, 10, 11, 12, 13, something like that. If you shave, if you can get it down to that, you at least give yourself the opportunity for more scoring. They're shooting 42% from the field. So let's say they get four more uh, scoring opportunities by just simply shaving down some of those turnovers that they that they're that they're making. I I mean that could be four, five, six points more points per game, yeah. and that's what you're losing by right now. You lost by one to Tulsa. There was a four point loss in there somewhere. I think. I mean, again, most of their losses this season have come by seven or fewer points. You correct this turnover problem, and you're winning these close games rather than losing them. The problem is we said that last year too. I know, I know. And and like, they don't have a point guard. They don't have a good point guard. And like you look up and down the roster, that's the other disheartening thing is like, 
these guys are all none of them look like they they've they're comfortable at all none of them look like they none of them look like they're playing at a level they expected to play at let alone what we expected them to play at like down the roster dj jeffrey landers nolly musa uh, cisse um boogie you know, ellis boogie ellis like none None of these guys are playing at levels they expected or Memphis expected or the fans expected. Like, that's a problem. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, so then you have the Tulsa loss, which obviously was disheartening, kind of felt like it set the set. You know, we'll see. Maybe they can reverse course, but it's, it's getting real, real late to reverse course. It point. is. But then you had the dual news of that night after you lose to Tulsa, News breaks, Artario Morris, who was the four-star guard who Memphis had committed for the 2022 class, he announces that he has has reopened his his recruitment. Uh, He feels like he committed too early and wants to reevaluate his options. But you counteract that with earlier today, we're recording this on Tuesday, uh, the news broke that Jordan Nesbitt, who was a 2021 signee for Memphis, has decided to enroll early at the university. He is now, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Jason, he is now part of the team as of right now. You're not wrong. And will be, uh, presumably will be eligible to play these last 15, 16, however many games it ends up being. Um, He could uh, play if, if so, if he's ready. Um, but I guess give us the breakdown on on what Jordan Nesbitt joining the team means and, and what you expect out of him uh, the rest of this season. Adding a he's a top fifty, top seventy five, six foot six guard slash wing. Yeah, um, that he I think he's rated fifty sixth um, on the two four seven sports composite. So uh, he's a four star um, prospect, mainly a guard. Um, who can score at all three levels uh, on the floor. Um, he's quick. Uh, he is um, uh, high energy, uh, very passionate type player. Um, I talked to him back when he was being recruited and he, uh, you know, described himself as a bucket getter and, and, and a dog. Um, that's, that's sort of his reputation is that he, he plays a lot of passion and, uh, and energy. So um you know, I, it, it's, re, but, you know, for the purposes of what we're talking about, it's like, yes, he is eligible. Um, he will be part of the team. He will participate in practices and um, team activities and that sort of thing. But, uh, and yes, he is eligible to play. He can play, but it's the way it was described to me is it obviously will be Penny Hardaway's decision as to whether or not he actually does, or if he simply is getting a head start for uh, for next you know for next season if if they're getting him in the weight program and the strength program and they are um, uh, just letting him get acclimated to the system so that when he does when they ultimately do um, put him on the floor uh, he'll be even he'll be that much further ahead now I have mixed views as to whether or not he's going to play this year on what sometimes I think he will. Sometimes I think he won't. I, I don't really, I think there's pros and cons to both. Um, well, it seems so. to me, it's kind of like a free swing in that 
because of the way the eligibility rules, eligibility rules work with COVID, if he comes and doesn't play, he gets a head start on college and gets a head start in the weight room and doesn't lose any eligibility. And if he's ready, you know, you can use him and he doesn't lose any eligibility either. Yeah. Um, so might as well have him at your disposal. Yeah. And which is, I think, which is what I think is what's going to happen. I think knowing Penny, having watched him the last three years as a coach, he's absolutely he's going to get a chance to try and do and help the team. And and you know what? I don't necessarily think that's the wrong move. Like sometimes when you have situations like this, you worry about how adding a Jordan Nesbit to the mix would like affect the team's chemistry. Like because if you're going to play Jordan Nesbit, it means you're not going to play someone else, presumably. Yeah, well, this team's chemistry lose? stinks. Yeah, <laughs> like this team's chemistry isn't any good. Yeah. So might as well, you know, might as well shake things up a little bit. Now, do I think we'll probably no pro, do I think there will be a moment where Jordan Nesbitt does something that is very like helpful to this team, maybe even helps the team win a game. I could see that happening. I just don't think it, it's going to be something like transformative though for the season adding him to the roster right now. Right. I do think I could see a scenario where going through these 15-16 games helps him uh, be a more productive player next year and the year after. Yeah. Uh, I could see that, but I, I have, I, you know, I'm kind of skeptical that this is going to just this, you know, adding Jordan Nesbitt is going to jumpstart this season. If you're looking at it from that perspective, I think you're going to be disappointed. If you're looking at it from, uh, well, you know, I, I think there'll probably be some moments where he flashes but ultimately this is setting him up to be better in the future. I think that's probably the best way to look at this yeah. uh, addition to the roster. Yeah. I mean, you can make so many arguments for and against and, and like, so, so I'll do that. I'll, I'll lay out a couple um, uh, best, a good a positive case scenario. You do play him and it lights a fire under someone like, Oh, I don't know. DJ Jeffries who has scored uh, what, like, uh, 17 points in his last three games, um, you know, that would be a positive. It lights a fire under under DJ and he, uh, you know, gets hot and all that good stuff. Um, the other – the flip side of that is do you want to play somebody who's fresh out of high school, like weeks, weeks out of high school? Do you want to play somebody who's weeks out of high school um, and and – potentially stunt their growth you know like yeah. what what if he goes out and he it's too big for him it's too fast for him and he's not ready and then he goes into a shell and starts developing bad habits and all that sort sort of stuff so i don't know i can argue it both ways um but like you said uh if we know penny hardaway i i i tend to believe that he will play this year i doubt i highly doubt it'll be thursday against wichita state um but to me, the only the only addition that could maybe immediately alter the course of this season is if you could somehow get a point guard in here. Yeah, like that yeah. that'd be the thing this team needs more than anything. Like, and that is not that is not Jordan Nesbitt. Um, no, no, it doesn't appear that way. He's a playmaker, but he's not a point guard. Which yeah. and they've they've got. A, I'm gonna be honest. They've got a lot of those. Um, a lot of guys who are playmakers sure. more than point guards. For sure. Um, any concern about Arterio Morris decommitting? He has since put out on on social media 
I guess he was getting hounded by some fans, I guess. I don't know. But like he is he has claimed that this is not because Memphis is struggling. He just feels like he made a decision too quickly. And I and I and I'm not I'm gonna take him at his word, I think. Uh that this is not like I personally view this as if it if some if 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 it later on Memphis is having more recruiting issues after this then maybe I'll, I'll, I'll look back and go, man, that was a troubling sign, but just being a one-off that Arterio Morris decommitted, I'm not ready to necessarily panic uh, in terms of like, this is a sign of things to come. I'm not, I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm curious what, what, what your view was on, on that de- on that, I guess, reopening of his commitment. Well, I will, my, my view is um, uh, sort of, it's um, so, pseudo educated and sort of shaped. So I'll, I'll, I'll preface this with that. But so what I, what I, the way I see this having played out is that um, he announced his, uh, the reopening of his recruitment without talking to anybody. Um, Mm. It's been indicated to me that not even his family knew that he was doing this. Mm. And so that seems to me that, you know, somewhere along the way, uh, potentially did another, did another program sort of get in his ear and say, look, you, 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 you might've, you know, you probably should have not committed so soon. And he listened to them and, and, and made this decision before he spoke to anybody uh, about it. The impression that I've been given is that it's all going to, you know, not that he's necessarily a slam dunk to come back and, and recommit to Memphis, but that it's, it's uh, the odds are better. Uh, the odds are Typical. decent that he um, will be fine, that he and Memphis will end up ultimately being fine. Gotcha. Um, you know, and, and we should point out, even though he's from Texas and our Terry Morris, he's like a six two point guard prospect, honestly. Like, like I, I think he's more of a scoring guard in high school, but I think there's a chance that the view is much like Boogie Ellis and I'm not saying it's going to go like Boogie Ellis did, but like the view is like ultimately point, if he's going to be a pro, if he's going to be, you know, make it in basketball, it's as a point guard more than a score necessarily. But um, Arterio, even though he's from Texas, he grew up in Memphis and played for team Penny. Um, and so, Memphis has, has long called Memphis his dream school. So yeah. Yeah. So I, I, hopefully they can get, maybe they can get him, him back. Um, real quick, since we haven't discussed it, uh, since our last podcast, you, uh, broke some news on the, uh, IRP James Wiseman front over the last couple of weeks. Um, what's the latest there as far as you can tell in terms of, uh, that investigation into, uh, James Wiseman's eligibility by the NCAA? Yeah. Um, I, um, in talking to, uh, Penny, uh, Hardaway, uh, last week, I believe it was, he, he, we were just talking about different things and he mentioned that he was, uh, glad to have the, uh, interview portion of the investigation, excuse me, of the IRP investigation, um, concluded. He was glad to have that over with said that it was said that it wrapped up, um, roughly 30 to 45 days ago, a month, a month and a half, which would put it like kind of what, right in December, roughly sometime in December, the last interviews took place. Mm. Um, 
and then I followed up with a, a representative from the NCAA who, who sort of in non-specific terms gave me some context for what that means, that if indeed all of the interviews uh, have been completed, that that means that they're really close to the end of the investigation portion of the, uh, of the process. Now that means that doesn't mean that there aren't still um, a number of hurdles to cross before they reach the finish line of this whole thing. Um, but that does mean that, you know, if, if what Penny says is true, if they are actually done interviewing everybody, which that that's no NCAA couldn't say that uh, nobody can really say that or not. They could still certainly be interviewing people, uh, on the James Wiseman side of things or on the, on the NCAA side of things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it, it at least gives us a little bit, it, it clears up, um, where things are, uh, as far as what stage the, uh, process is in and, um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of where they are. Yeah, do you feel any differently about where things are headed or feel inconclusive still? I think it's still inconclusive to a degree, but after the uh, talk that I, you know, in, in talking to the uh, the NCAA representative, uh, Naima Stevenson Starks, who's the vice president of hearing operations for the uh, for the NCAA, she kind of laid it out that you know it, it's although this is an an unprecedented um, thing uh, process. Um, it, it's highly unlikely, those are her words, highly unlikely that, uh, that a case will be accepted and, and, and go through the IARP process and, and, a, and, a, and a case like get dismissed, uh, essentially boiling it all down. Um, it's not a question of if the IARP um, folks are going to, are going to uh, find something that Memphis did wrong, find some sort of violation somewhere. It's just a matter of uh, how severe, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, yeah. it, it, it would not have gone to the IARP process if they, um, if, if they if, felt there was nothing. Yeah. Nothing to invest. They were going to get off totally free. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think that's really what, uh, you know, kind of need to break. I think, some people might've been holding out hope that they, that the um, investigation would reveal that Memphis did nothing wrong. I don't think that's what's going to happen now. Um, I think that the, the, the uh, NCAA representative made that pretty clear that that's not uh, in the cards. That's not, that's not likely. Um, it's more likely that they're going to find something. It's just a matter of, is it going to be uh, like a ton of severe stuff? Or what what sort of punishment does it entail? Is it a slap on the wrist, which I find hard to believe, unfortunately, or is it going to be something uh, much more serious? So that will uh, be interesting. Look, uh, part of the reason why people, I think we were all looking forward to this season so much is that, you know, we kind of figured this IRP thing is in the distance. We can just enjoy this season. And there was a, this good team that Penny had, we thought this was the year they were going to end the NCAA tournament drought. We said that's the goal this year. Um, and obviously things have not gone as planned uh, this year. Uh, they're six and five. Um, so we'll wrap things up this way. We'll look ahead here. Uh, they play Wichita State at FedEx Forum on Thursday. Fans will be allowed back in a limited number 
much like they were for those three non-conference games uh, in December. Um, and then they, uh, the Tigers on Sunday go to ECU, an improved ECU team uh, this year. Uh, not as bad, not as bad as they've been uh, recently. Um, what do you make of these two games, Jason? Wichita State's beat Houston. They're, I think, they're in first place in the conference right now. Um, do, you know, what 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 does this matchup look like for the Tigers? Yeah, well, um, I mean, I don't think that if you look at the if you kind of look at the numbers, I don't think Wichita State necessarily does anything that just jumps out at you. Um, they are ranked. 60th in the country in uh, adjusted offensive efficiency, 95th in the country in adjusted defensive uh, efficiency. Um, they don't shoot the ball particularly well from three or two, and it doesn't look like they shoot very, They shoot 70% from the free throw line, but they uh, – I should correct myself, Jason. They lost to Houston. They beat Tulsa and Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they are in first, right? They're, or they're tied for first? Yeah, I think tied. Yeah, so – um, looks like they block the ball a pretty good amount. They uh, create turnovers. Um, I, I just think that uh, Isaac Brown, um, you know, he's got a lot of guys on that team because they had what they had. He's that, the interim coach for 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 uh, Marshall, correct? Yeah, yeah, for, yeah. for Wichita State. Isaac Brown, um, a Pascagoula, Mississippi native. I should. Gotcha. So, tec- by the way, technically Houston is in first because they're six and one, and they have a win over Wichita. Okay. Wichita is in second at four and one uh, in conference play. Here, my take on what Wichita's done this year—you you, know—they had that mass exodus over the over the offseason. They had all those guys leave. Um, I think a lot of those guys were guys who were kind of—I mean, yes, there was this stuff going on with Greg Marshall, but I think a lot of those guys were upset that they weren't um, being featured mm-hmm. um, in 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 Greg Marshall's system. And I think what's left is a bunch of guys who play for each other and play hard and, and, and all that stuff. And that's, and I think, you know, by having a, a, a pair, obviously Isaac Brown knows what he's doing and um, has them play in that way. And I think that's probably the, the biggest reason for their success. Um, but I, I don't think they are, there's nothing that jumps off the page at you that says, Whoa, this guy's really, really talented. Now, Ricky council, a freshman, uh, for Wichita State is pretty good. So, um, but but I I do think they're beatable. Well, and then you've also got you know Altariq Gilbert, the transfer from UConn, has given them a veteran presence at point guard. Um, you've also got Dexter Dennis is a nice player. Tyson Etienne, yeah, yeah. Morris Aduze had a really good, good game the other day. Um, there's some pieces there. Um, there's some pieces there that even though they lost a ton of guys, they also return a decent amount who've played some serious minutes over the years. So yeah, it's going to be, it would be, it would certainly be Memphis's best win of the year if they can beat Wichita state, I think. And I, and I, you and I talked about this before I told you, I said, I think that, that Memphis is capable of, uh, of doing that, of beating yeah. Wichita state on Thursday at home, coming off the tough loss to, to Tulsa. That's another thing I wanted to point out is like, you know, we're, we're talking about how they've lost to Tulsa. Tulsa's not quite, uh, you know, not, a, not a, a great team by any stretch. But for whatever reason, that, that Tulsa team has, the, has Memphis's kryptonite. 
And I'll be interested. Well, they struggle against the zone because they can't yeah. shoot. They don't have any shooters. Right. So but I'll yeah, be you're right. Tulsa appears to be a bad matchup for this Memphis team. Yeah. So to me, it'll be uh, good to see what Memphis, after such a long layoff, mm-hmm. you know, after, after, um, you know, playing with this new offense against somebody other than Tulsa. Let's uh, let's let's see what they can do. Yeah, no, and then they get you know at ECU. It's a hard place to play playing at ECU. Uh, they always it always seems like Memphis plays close games there. Uh, and ECU seven and four right now. I know they have they've beaten they split two games with Tulane, so they only have one conference win. Um, they're not like a juggernaut, but they're better than previous ECU teams have been. Yeah. Uh, they, they, they appear to be better and they have one of the best players in the league in Jaden Gardner. So uh, two games, if, you know, hopefully, you know, two games, Memphis is capable. Memphis is very capable of going two and zero in these games. They're also very capable of going zero and two. So we shall see if you can beat Wichita state. I think you got a decent chance of going two and zero, but that's a, that's a big if given how this team is playing uh, right now. Um, but we'll see, maybe, uh, you know, I guess what, you know, what's, what's the point of giving up hope, Jason, what else are you going to do? Like you could watch the Grizzlies, but they're not on every night. You might as well keep watching this Memphis basketball team. See if Penn, you know, ultimately for the foreseeable future, this program is going to be run by Penny Hardaway. So, you, you know, these are games that are important for him to try and figure out what is going to be the formula that ultimately works for him. It's very clear whatever formula he's trying right now is not as effective as anyone wanted, uh, yeah. as anyone wants. And so how does he tweak it from here on out? That's something I think uh, I'll be fascinated to watch, even though it feels like these games lost some of their importance um, just because it feels like this Memphis team, it's going to be a, it, it seems very, very unlikely at this point that they're going to get it together enough uh, on a consistent basis to uh, do anything but hope they can win the conference tournament when it comes to ending this NCAA tournament drought. But yeah. I still think there's stuff to watch. Basically, What I'm saying is don't just check out. Like I do think there's these games are important because it's not like Penny Hardaway is coaching out the string. Penny Hardaway is going to be the coach for the next few years. So it's like – it is interesting to watch how he adjusts or if he adjusts in these coming games, starting with Thursday's game against Wichita State. Yeah, and you add the intrigue of Jordan Nesbitt. Will he play? Will he not? If he does, you know, you're sort of getting a glimpse into the future a little bit. Um, and, and speaking of playing every night, I, we failed to mention that if if there are no um, other schedule adjustments uh in the near future that that Wichita State game is going to be the first of four in eight days for the Tigers in an eight-day stretch or a seven-day stretch which is uh something like that but uh, they're they're on an NBA schedule the next three weeks or so yeah Um, they're gonna these games are gonna come rapid fire it's gonna feel like and we're gonna look up in two or three weeks and I guess there's a scenario where they could reel off a bunch of wins in a row, and there's a scenario where they could reel off a bunch of losses in a row. My gut tells me it's going to be literally in between that. There's going to be some wins and some losses. We're going to look up. They're going to be 20 games into the year, and they're going to be like 12 and 10. That's right. 
sort of what that's the vibe I get so far. Maybe they can, maybe they can change that, but uh, nonetheless, interesting one at FedEx forum Thursday against Wichita state. We will have tons of coverage of it over at commercialpeel.com as well as Sunday's game against ECU on the road. Um, hopefully there won't be any more postponements. These games will start to happen in rapid fire, like we said, and uh, we'll be back next week uninterrupted uh, for another di- edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. Till then, I was Mark. I was joined by Jason. Thank you so much, and enjoy the rest of your week uh, watching Tiger Basketball. The Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.